All right, so we're, we're winding down on our testimony series. Um, you guys are getting the idea of how important a testimony is. What's a quick definition of testimony? Anyone? Don't raise your hands all at once. Go ahead, Bryson. Yeah, life story, how you got saved. That's part of it. That's part of a testimony inside of there. It's the break it down in, in the simplest term is as a witness. What is your witness as a believer in Jesus Christ? And actually, as we look at this, um, I've talked about using different tools to help learn what's in the Bible. And I've mentioned it before again. How many how many times is testimony mentioned in here? I've said it several times over the over the summer. Sixty nine. Excellent, Audrey. Good job. And so sixty nine times. So if something's in the Bible sixty nine times, what does that tell you, Elena? If something's in the Bible sixty nine times, what does that mean for you? It's very important. Excellent. Yes. Yes. So. You guys can see that it's very important that the testimony is inside of here. And actually, if we look at it, so I have what's called a concordance, which has all the words that have been translated and what the meanings of those words is. So when we see the first mention of the word testimony in, in Exodus 16.34, which we talked briefly about, I have a definition of it. It means witness. That is the Hebrew word. Actually, the Hebrew word, I can't say it. Um, I'm going to try to pronounce it. So it's a Hebrew word, and it's eduth. That's what testimony means in Hebrew, eduth. And so um, it's in there. Um, correction, this version of it exists in here 59 times. And it's in 57 verses. So correction, it's my bad. I told you some bad information. 59 times in the Bible. That's still very important because it's in there 59 times so that's one version of it so that that's the that's the old testament translation and as you study out the meaning of the words you can see a transition happen do you guys understand how the english language works as we go through and we see words some words take on different meanings as it goes through different generations um, a, a great example is the word gay you know what the word gay means? What? Happy, joyful, exactly. <coughs> but over the course of generations, it also has another meaning. And it refers to homosexual relationship. So you, you see how words can slowly transition over generations? So I would say up until maybe the 50s, gay actually meant happy and joy. And it was another level of inside there. So it was a synonym of happy or joyful inside of her. In fact, the Bible uses the word gay in that manner. However, with the generation and the corruption of our sins in our life, gay is taken on a different meaning. So there are people that are joyful they happen to be of a different persuasion, and they like the same sex um, inside or and not in a, in a relationship type aspect. And so they just kind of took on a different meeting. And you're going to find with the English language, especially in America, 
we take different words and then eventually it becomes into some other ones. And I'm not going to go into it, but most of them are negative connotations. They are words that meant this, and they've come in here to be used as a stereotype and description of something else. So kind of be aware of that. That's why we want to be careful with our words, because we need a hold to the Bible inside of here. So that's part of being a witness in a, um, inside of here. So as we go through here, I was kind of reading my Bible. Again, you need to be reading your Bible daily. And I'm going through this morning in my personal reading. I was in Proverbs 30. So if you open up your Bible, let's go over to Proverbs 30. We're going to start here um, inside of here because we're going to see... Um, we see some things that are really cool inside of here. So let's go to Proverbs 30. Not sure where it's at. Get your Bibles out. Mr. Larkham, you need to start bringing a Bible. Then why isn't it open? Let's open up the Bible. Put the slime away, and let's open up the Bible. There you go. Thank you, oh, Mr. Larkham. Larkham 1, Larkham 2. You're Larkham 1 because you're older. Until we get over there from your brother, then, then we'll... No. His cousin. Also, I want to say something while we're getting there. So again, let's go to Proverbs 30, and we'll start out there um, in verse 24. But as we go there, I saw something that is good testimony, and I, and I like to stand back. Um, the nice thing about working in the sound booth is I have an elevated platform, and I'm not sitting up there judging, but I am sitting back watching. So when you're goofing off during service, I do know when that happens. And so please, don't goof off during service. The other thing that we see up there is I seen something that was really cool, and I was really it brought joy to my heart, is I watched some of the other youth go up and help a brother gather microphones. So as you know, I allow the youth to come work in the sound booth as an opportunity as you get older and show that you have the maturity to come up there. And when you do that, it becomes more responsible. And as you become more responsible, you do things. And I watched a couple of the youth go help another brother out with gathering microphones, coiling cables. And so that brought great joy to my heart. Just to watch, I didn't ask them. They just did it. That's a testimony. That's a testimony of helpfulness. It's a testimony of service. And it's a testimony of coming alongside someone just to help them get done. So I'm really, when I see activities like that, it brings joy. And it should bring joy to you as well. Because that's how we're going to move forward as, as believers in Christ. And that's how we're going to get the word out, is we're going to do it together. And we do it together through Jesus Christ. We not only do it through Jesus Christ, we do it for Jesus Christ. It's not about for me. Personally, if the mics get picked up and the cables get coiled, if they don't get picked up, they will get done. You know, that's just part of my service to the Lord. It's part of my stewardship. And that's part of the testimony. So I just want to say those that were doing it, thank you. It makes a difference. Just a little just one little thing makes a difference in when you're doing it with your testimony. It's the little things. Alright? Don't ever let size determine that. It's the little things that have the biggest impact. 
just coming alongside someone will make a great testimony. So I want to come go through here, just, just kind of lay in my heart about a testimony. So we're going to start in verse 30 and verse 24. It says, There are four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. You already heard me say this. It's the little things. I didn't make this up. This is in the Bible. It says, There are four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. Think about the little ants. Carpenter ants are bad. The other ants, they're good. Uh, yet they prepare meat in the summer. You know, who's ever seen the movie Bugs Life? Come on. That's my favorite Pixar movie. Bolo, bolo. Come on. You don't remember the two little roly-polies? And... <laughs> All right. So inside there, the ants are accumulating food, but you know what? The grasshoppers and the locusts came in there. you got to give us our offering. Well, the ants are trying to prepare for themselves, and then, of course, I forget the name, Flick, you know, tries to do with his contraptions, and it makes a mess and all that. That's all right. Um, the conies are but feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. The, lo the locusts have no king, yet they go forth, all of them, by bands. Again, it ties into a bug's life. What did they do? The locusts came in, and they took what the ants had prepared. And the ants were preparing for themselves. Rock badgers or hyraxes. I'm not sure what the coney. I, no, I don't have a good inside there. We have to, might have to Google that one. The spider taketh hold of what her hands is in the king's palace. All right, so those are the four little things. There, and there be th three things which go well, yea, four commonly. A lion which is strongest among beasts and turneth not away for any. A greyhound, a, a he goat, and also and a king against whom there is no rising up. All right, so we have. Uh, a he go, a greyhound. If thou hast fool done foolishly in lifting up thyself, again, that's that pride, that's that puffing up. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil. Alright, so this is going to tie into what we talked about a little bit on Wednesday. If you thought evil, lay thy hand upon thy mouth. This is just the thought. This is not even doing evil. It is the thought of evil. Lay thy hand upon thy mouth. Stop it, is what he's saying. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up... Okay, we've done that one. Surely the churning of milk bringeth forth butter, and the wringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. So the forcing of wrath bringeth forth strife. You see right there... All right, gentlemen, jump over one, please. We've got to separate... One whole chair over. All right. So when you take milk, you're churning it, you're adding air, you're going through, and eventually it turns into a solid and it turns into butter. So you, there's constant movement right there. Ringing of the nose. You know, you go in there and twist someone's nose. If you twist hard enough, it's going to give them a bloody nose. And it's going to bring forth blood. You can get your finger out of your nose, Oliver. Thank you. So the forcing of wrath bring a fourth stripe. So if you're going to be angry, and wrath's at another level. Wrath is anger with no control. 
it's going to bring forth strife. If you blow your lid, it is going to cause strife. And it does. Okay? So we need to be careful with that. So again, a couple of big things here about your testimony. You know, if we're going to go over here, we need to make sure that we're not doing things foolishly and lifting ourselves up. We've got to make sure we're not thinking evil thoughts um, inside of here. Because if you do, if you churn the milk, it's going to turn to butter. If you're going to wring the nose, it can bring forth a bloody nose. Or if you're got, you have exceeding wrath, it's going to bring forth strife. It's going to cause challenges that you don't want at another level. So we have that wisdom. And again, so that's why our testimony is so important with us. Let's go over to 1 John, not the Gospel of John, um, inside of here. And while we're doing that, uh, go over to 1 John 1. I want to talk about this real quick. As the Word goes through and the Word testimony evolves, when we get into the New Testament, test the Word testimony and its definition has evolved. So I'm going to go over here. So in Matthew is the first mention of it. Let me get to it. So in Matthew 8.4, um, we have a new definition of testimony. So it's in Matthew 8.4, it says, And Jesus saith unto him, See thou, tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded, a testimony unto them all. All right, so when you think about testimony, you should think about witness. Are you guys starting to see that? That That's a synonym. It's a similar word with a similar definition. When you see testimony, you should think about witness. How am I going to be a witness? All right, so with this version, this definition um, inside of here, the definition has changed a little bit. All right, it's something evidential. That is evidence given or um, inside of there. Um, you know, to, to be testified, testimony, witness. So it still has that witness meaning inside of here. Um, but it's, been, it's more precise now. You know, and as you look at this, um, the word here, it also is now a Greek word because what happened in the New Testament. Well, obviously, Jesus Christ came on the scene. It goes from the Jews to the... What's the transition that's happening? The gospel message goes from the Jews to the Gentiles. And with that, the word changes in translation. So I told you at the beginning, testimony was in Hebrew, and it meant aduth is the pronunciation of it. Now, we're in the New Testament. This is when the church gets established. It's not established yet, but the church gets established. Remember, I've talked about it in the past. There's three types of people in the world. The Jews, which has the covenant promises from the Lord that go back to Abraham. We have the Gentiles, which is the people of the world. And then we have the church. As a believer of Jesus Christ... You're part of the church. You're no longer a Gentile. If you're not saved and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are still a Gentile. You're still in the Word. The moment you get saved, 
and you reach out upon the Lord, you become part of the church, and then we go through that process. So those are three types of people. And so we see this, and it's not, the church isn't established yet, but it's going to be established. Matthew's a transition book. And so um, the Greek word is um, martuion. That's what it means. The martuion, that's what it translates from Greek, which means testimony. And it's something that is, something evidential, general evidence given or specifically inside of here to be testified, to be a witness. So it means the same thing, but we've taken it from another language that applies here. So remember, the New Testament was done in what three languages? Three languages. We got Hebrew, we have Aramaic, and we have the Greek. Whereas in the Old Testament, it was just Hebrew. Because you can see that it's grown, and you can see that you can see the transition. Just like I mentioned about the word "gay," what it meant, joy and happy, it's changed a little bit. In this case, it's a positive change, whereas when "gay" is used over here in other words, that's a negative connotation or a negative version of the word. So we just want to be aware of that. So it is, a, it's a, it's a more um, complete trans um, translation. In uh, definition. So we're over here in First John. Let me get there myself. Here's the gospel. Get over here. And I love First John. It was actually one of the first Bible books I've ever read as a believer. Um, my disciple made me read it. He made me write reports on it, too. So as I was going through the 16 lessons, I didn't have a good testimony. That's what discipleship helps you with, is it helps you with your testimony. It helps you give a, make you stronger in the Lord. And my disciple made me write reports on everything he made me read as we were going through it. Not only the 16 lessons, but also to go through this. All right. And so we have a good picture of a definition. Um, Remember how John 1 1 goes? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. You know, I just butchered that again. Um, let me go ahead and quote that correctly. Because I like how John brings it back over here at the end. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. We see something very similar here. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. All right. Word is capitalized. So what we're seeing is we're starting to see the testimony of our Lord inside of her. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness. All right. What have we been talking about? Testimony. What does testimony mean? Bryson. One word. Lizzie. Yes, you got it. Just at the time of the bell. Good job. Yes, witness. So think about that. We have and bear testimony or bear witness and show unto you eternal life. That's what Christ did for us. 
which was the Father and was manifested in us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. That's a testimony. We have a witness of this. John was a witness of Jesus Christ. He got to hang out with our Lord and Savior way back 2,000 years ago. He was able to document this for us so we can know who Jesus Christ is. That's His witness. That's His testimony that we see here in the Bible. If you look through the Bible and the 40 different authors that we've had with the different books in here, this is their testimony of the Lord. This is how God's preserved His words through the testimony or the witnessing of this. This is why it's so important to have a good testimony. All right. And so it's very powerful. And I just see that it just came to me um, just, just trying to study this out for you guys and just kind of study it out for myself. So I'm not just doing this for you guys. I'm doing it for myself as well. I have to be aware of what my testimony is. And it, it brought joy when I saw this. And I'm, I'm searching it out. And then another thing that I want to kind of go through here is we're going to still stay in First John here because our testimony matters. You know, I didn't back it up on Wednesday night. I didn't go to the Bible like I should have. That's my failure. That's my failure in my testimony. And I'm sorry. I failed you guys on that. But I do want to address this because we talked about the testimony of our Lord and Savior here in 1 John. But in 1 John 3, we need to look at something else here. And it says right here, I'm going to, and we'll kind of go through this really quick. I'm not going to go through. Well, actually, I will go through it. Um, I'll go through part of it. So it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. You know, that's how much He loved us. We are to be sons of God. Therefore, to warn the world knoweth not, us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. However... There's a but here. There's a transition. In verse 4, it says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And we know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. So we're talking about Jesus Christ and what He did. He took away the sins of the world so we can have a relationship with Him. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. All right? And in verse 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. He cannot sin because he is born of God. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
He becomes, the Holy Ghost becomes a part of you. Your body becomes a living temple. And outlined in Romans, it's a temple inside there. Not a physical temple, but a spiritual temple. And in, in this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. All right? We have to do this with love. Love. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. I mentioned this, and I'll say it again. In Diana Fugate, Lady Di, you know, she helps me with this. Yes, can she be frustrating? Absolutely. Can I be frustrating? Absolutely. You know, I'm not going to point anyone else out, but can you be challenging and difficult? Absolutely. But you know what? It's through love. Love. I know Diana loves the Lord. I love the Lord. That gives us common ground. All right. I don't always know how to handle some of the challenges that come up. And it's an exercise. It's an exercise in faith. It's an exercise through trusting in the Lord to, to come up with a way to help her so she understands. And because of that, I can't imagine my life without Mrs. Fugate. She's a blessing. You guys are blessings as well. We just have to let that love shine. Okay? We have to love one another. We don't always have to like each other. But we have to love one another. It is commanded. It is the great commandment. We have to love one another. We have to love our enemies. That's hard. That is hard. Especially when you know they're the devil. We still have to love them. We don't have to like them. And we don't have to do anything else with them. But we do have to love them. Um, not as Cain, you know, remember the story of Cain in Genesis? He killed Abel because he was jealous. He killed his brother over jealousy. Who was the wicked one and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So start thinking about it because here's the next verse and it's coming up. What is the opposite of love? What is the opposite of love? Hate. And this is where it says it right here. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. That's the quote. It's John, 1 John 3.15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby preserve we the love of God, because he had laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. What are we supposed to do about this? 
Well, in verse 17 it tells us, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brothers have need, and shuttle up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. This is our testimony. This is what we need to do. This sums up what we're supposed to do. We, we just can't be, we can't talk the talk. We can talk the talk all we want, but it's just words. It just comes out. They have no substance to it. It's just hot air coming out of your mouth. However, I'm going to go back to it. But, you know, neither in tongue. But we have to do it. We have to walk the walk. You ever heard that saying, talk the talk, walk the walk? That runs inside of her, um, inside of her, at my job in a day to day. I have an interview once a week. We're trying to build up our team at work. And I have to sit through interviews. And I see a lot of people. I look at their resume, you know, hey, I can do this, this, and this. And when you start talking to them, I hear a lot of this. And so what we do as part of the job process is we ask them, we, we schedule a time with them, we ask them, okay, you can talk the talk, will you walk the walk? And that's the question I'm going to ask you of your testimony. Are you going to walk the walk of the Lord? Are you going to go forth inside of here? You know what happens? About 50% of the time, half the time, when we reschedule with them, they don't come back. They don't want to engage. You do not want to do the job. They don't want to give a 10-minute demonstration of their abilities. 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And I only ask you guys to give three minutes worth of information on your testimony. Three minutes is nothing. But it shows that you guys have a heart for the Lord because you're willing to obey. It's a testimony unto the Lord. When you guys got up here and shared what you liked about camp. And one of the things that you guys need to be doing better with. That's your challenge. That's how your testimony is going to become stronger. Is if you go through and you start reading your Bible every day. You come along and say, hey Ray, I'd like to help out here. And you guys have. You know what's amazing? I've watched you guys grow up from afar, and I'm watching you guys grow up in front of me right now. And I've watched your hearts. I've watched people going, Ray, can I go do this? Yes. Let's do it. Let's find a way. And so, for instance, last year, we had Mammoth. We took three youth that didn't have their parents with us. They went to Mammoth. A chaperone. With a chaperone, we gave an opportunity. We learned some things. Things were not perfect, but we learned some opportunities to grow. So we didn't say no. That was never possible in years past. It's because of your testimony that we say yes. There's more opportunities for you, but are you willing to go forth and walk the walk? Think about it. Pray about it. All right. Remember, we are to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ, because the world knows Him not. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll be dismissed. 
Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and say thank you, Lord. Thank you for this wonderful time that you've given us, just going through what a testimony is and how to be a witness for you, Lord. Lord, just, I just lay upon these youth to continue to get into their Bibles daily, Lord, so they can become vessels of honor and they can give you the, the great witness that you've asked them to do in their lives. Lord, just equip them. Just be with them, Lord, because there are struggles out there. The world is trying to pull them away. Lord, we just want to lift them up to you right now. Lord, we also want to lift up the time for Pastor Brian and the other two ladies who went to the Dominican Republic and shared their testimony today, Lord, and, and what they did for the Lord and for the people of the Dominican Republic. Lord, we just lift this all up to you, and we look forward to coming back together, um, having some fun this next week, and just coming back together to hear what you have for us. We do this all in your great and holy name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a good one.